Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. In this episode, we'll talk about the state of Vanderbilt football, particularly after National Signing Day. We will go over some things we liked in the class and some needs for the future. So without further delay, let's get right into our conversation with Seabass. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee, as he does most weeks. Thanks for joining us, my friend. I know it's a busy time for you. <laughs> Only when I'm awake. Right. Only when I'm awake, brother. Yeah, uh, man. Afternoon, man. Yeah. Uh, it is a busy time for me, but it's a busy time for our doors as well. And I want to congratulate the coaching staff on, at least to this point, a very, very solid class. Yeah, I don't think a month ago I would have called this, would you? No. <laughs> there was just, no, no, I, I wouldn't have. But you know what? Uh, Fact is, this is where we're at. They, 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 you know, they were, they convinced some pretty darn good football players with multiple options that this was the place to be. I think they're right. Not just because I want it to be. I think they are right. You know, you listen to, I listened to some of Clark uh, Lee's press conference yesterday and, you know, and I, and I, and I like what he said and they're basically paraphrasing that uh, this is not for everybody, but the people that we got, we believe that it is, and we believe we got difference makers. You and I got to talk a little bit yesterday. Um, length, good grief, lots of length, a lot of athleticism, a lot of speed, uh, lots to like there, a couple of nice-looking quarterback prospects. Um, got three offensive linemen you know, in the class who I like every one of them, but the, 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 the concern that I, I expressed to you was they were listed at 260, 265, and 270, and that's you know, that's obviously they're not playing at that. They'll, they'll need to gain 25, 30 pounds and maybe if not a little more, you know, right in that general area there. But, uh, you know, the only thing is I, I think they need some immediate contributors along that offensive lineman and 265 pound linemen generally don't do that. So it takes them a little while. I think I read that Levi Harbor's already announced that he's going to be red shirting for next year. Uh, so I would say that I think it is very important that they find a way to snag one, possibly two uh, offensive linemen out of the transfer portal. Yeah, I would agree. I was thinking about this today, right? Because my thing, and whether it's maybe you could go back and, and pick nits with this a little bit, but I always felt like the thing that Franklin did that worked here was he had about 50 guys who could play at some level. Like, when they took the field against SEC teams, no, maybe not Alabama, right? But we're talking about most games they would play. They had about 45 or 50 guys who could get it done enough, right? And some of that was having depth to sub-guys. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I would. Okay, I was thinking about this today. Uh, and, and boy, I hate to be harsh here, but I don't know how else to say it. I sort of imagine this as a list of, okay, let's start making a list of 50 guys who can play 
in the SEC. Now, whether those guys are a one to five or 45 to 50 or wherever they slot, how many guys on the roster last year would you say are like legitimately in that 50 of a team that wins nine games like they were winning a couple years under James? No, some of that I get was built-in scheduling and gets UMass in places like that, but you know the product they had there and how the composition of the roster was very different than what we saw. I'm just thinking about it like if you accept the premise that it's 45 to 50 players or whatever that number is, how many off last year's team would have fit in that list of 45 or 50, again, whether they belong at the beginning or the end? Uh, I think it's pretty low. What up, Oreo? Uh, I think it's pretty low, probably somewhere at 15 to 20, to be honest with you. Uh, but that's why this class was so important. You know, that that's why it, it, it was so important because my old buddy Max Howell used to say, man, you know, it's not, you know, he, he would even talk about Vanderbilt. He said that, you know, where Vanderbilt would get beaten, this was, of course, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, where Vanderbilt would get beat would be, you know, we used to play a lot of close games, Chris, but come that fourth quarter, we just never could find a way to win. And that's, that's where depth came in, you know, I think. And then Vanderbilt uh, under James Franklin had uh, – now, a lot of people always, you know, talk about what the other teams were or were not doing, which whether that's true or not, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you got to play the games and you win. And over a two-year span in the SEC, the only team that won more games than Vanderbilt was Alabama in those two-year spans when, when James won nine games apiece. But this ain't about James. I and mean, it ain't about last year's team. It's about what this coaching staff was able to sell. Uh, and I, I think that what they were able to sell is is one thing that is so paramount, and that's plenty of available playing time. It's there right now. But just having playing time alone, because, Chris, let's just face it, any any terrible football team can offer that, right? Yeah, I mean, any bad football team anywhere should be able to offer playing time, but it has to go farther than that. And I think that it is. I think that the I think the facility upgrades, you know, I think the new staff and a new vision and and getting some key players early on to build the class around guys like Langston Patterson, (laughs) they were able to sell that vision and and they did it well. And this last month really proves that. I mean, it certainly wasn't the results on the football field. They went two and ten, and haven't won a conference game in since ni- what nineteen twenty nineteen, I think it was. But yeah, and won one that year. Yeah, and, and you know, but Barton come, coming along and the new additions in the staff, these kids like what they're hearing. Uh, they, they're you know, it's you know, it's not like the Vanderbilt's the only team giving them a recruiting pitch. And then, and then to see guys like Agu go to Knoxville, get wooed and still stick with Vanderbilt. I mean, these are, these are great signs. These are great signs. So, you know, yeah, I can, so we can start talking about what that last year's team did or didn't have. And the thing where that makes it relevant is how does that, how is that relevant to what they signed and what they're going to have going forward? And I, I think one of the major issues is playing time. Okay, let me back up a little bit. You said that number was 15 to 20. I'm not sure it's more than 10. Um, It's probably not. It's probably not. Here's where I'm going with that, right? You get – try and remember what is the rule now between 
you can get 25 in your class, but then you get extra allowances for transfers and that. But I mean, you're going to get more than no more than what 32, 33 guys. Yeah. Total transfers and, and freshmen, whatever the number is. I mean, somebody may have the answer out there. I don't have it in front of me. The rules change so quickly and kids hit the portal so quickly. I feel like I can't keep up anymore, but here's the point. Okay. Let's say that number is, is five. Uh, and you can bring in roughly 30. You know, you, you're still 15 short of what you need, right? Um, but, well, and, and that's I mean, assuming all that's assuming all your 30 hit. But here's here's where I'm going, okay? They had so many needs last year that, like, speed was an issue and size and strength was an issue. I feel like, feels like they sort of hit speed in this class, and maybe next year's the one for for size and linemen because they need that too. Oh, I think that I think the trenches on both sides of the ball. We need to, you know, we, we had a couple of our freshman interior defensive linemen move on, you know, and we're going to have to replace them. They were both fairly well thought of and we, we need to replace that. It's not a replenishment. It's a full on replacement and they need to do that on both sides of the football. I like the other areas. I just think that that needs to be a, a, a major source, a target uh, in, in regards to next season is the trenches on both sides of the ball. Because as I told you yesterday, I'm tired of getting pushed around. I know we're slow when we address the speed in the secondary and we added length, but I, but we get pushed around an awful lot. You know, and that's that's the worst way to lose football games in my mind. Uh, so I think that needs to be the focus of whatever we have left as part of this class uh, and potential transfers. And I think it should be a big part of what they're doing next year. Yeah, you know. But I mean, look, if the message is we have so few, so we're going to struggle. Okay, I think Chris, I think everybody knows that. I, I think people. I don't think people think because Clark Lee was able to put a good signing class together that we're going to seven and five next year. People, the people that are listening to this podcast understand the personnel, know where we are right now, and and what it's going to take. It's now. Are what, what people are going to want to see next year is a legit plan in place and 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 just a team who. It literally just needs a few more reinforcements. That there is a plan in place, and this uh, there is a there's an I there is a what's the word I want to put? How how do I want to phrase this? There is a uh, hmm. I, for some reason, I'm going like that. That they have an attitude that you're going to have to kill me to beat me type of deal. You know that that there's a whole new mindset, you know, in Nashville, uh, and that it's then it only becomes just a matter of once we get this 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 shelf stocked, uh, then we can just start the rotating process from season to season. Uh, but I mean, I mean, you can tell people that all they want, but they know. I mean, they they don't know we're not an eight and five, you know, an eight and four team next year. They're not ready for that. Uh, but if they continue on this trajectory, it's a great it's 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 a great place to be. I would. Remind Mind everybody that as of yesterday, uh, in some of the rankings, you had four teams. Uh, you had Tennessee, who was 13th in the country overall, and it was good enough for fourth in the East. You know, so while, and I tell you that to say, while we are getting better and we're bringing fantastic players in, the rest of the conference isn't sitting around waiting to see what we're going to do. You know, you know, two of those teams that I just talked about. We're Kentucky and Missouri. You know, yeah, and, and Missouri when, signed when, some studs too. Yeah, yeah. And so did Kentucky. Kentucky when, got a five right. star. 
Yeah, you're not surprised when Georgia has that type of class. But that was Missouri, Kentucky, and then Tennessee with a top 15 class, almost top 10. So, you know, it's great that we're improving, but we you can't just focus on your own team. That's a fool's errand. If you do, you have to look at what's around you and know they're doing it as well. So we have we have we have no luxury of missing. You know, you're not going to hit everybody. Obviously, not everybody pans out. And if you if half the class panned out, you hit a home run. Uh, so there's going to be some cats that 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 are frankly bust. It happens to every team and every class. Uh, but uh, you know to start somewhere and this was a very good start uh you know you set a precedence and you 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 i mean you think about this chris not only did they do well they did well in several different areas you know i look at this i look at this class right now and i'll just be honest with you i don't see a lot of reaches i think the linemen are a little undersized but a, a whole lot of potential lots of length there but i just don't see these guys in there that i think god what are what was this you know why what what is the point in bringing this in this guy and he's never playing in nashville uh i don't i didn't see any of that and i think that's important yeah, a lot to respond to there. First, I agree with that. I didn't see a lot of reaches in this class. I see a few guys that if it doesn't work out, I can tell you why. But I think their biggest need is just numbers, right? I can't tell you yeah. which guys out of this class are going to hit or aren't. I could make a guess, and I might not be wildly wrong. But I didn't see a lot of separation. Like when people say, who was your favorite guy in this class or the guy that that stands out? I didn't have an easy time doing that. But also had a hard time telling you, all right, I think this guy just is terrible and he's not going to make it here. And with Mason's classes, you could identify some of those guys pretty quickly. I think that however you rank these guys, you're 1 to 25, I don't know that the separation between the top and, and maybe you know, 20, 21, 22 is that great. And I think they're all guys who can help them for the most part. Um, now, some guys aren't going to make it. There's going to be... Somebody in this class is going to get homesick, probably. Uh, someone is going to get hurt. A couple somebodies will get hurt and, and never be able to play at a respectable level before that. Some guys aren't going to have it between the ears. They're going to get out here and on the field and, and not be able to handle not being the best guy on the field, uh, maybe for the first time in their life. So there's going to be some attrition to that. And what you said about the SEC is – Totally valid. Everybody else got better yesterday. But I know there's a big emphasis on the culture there. And one thing that I said, oh, man, I think it was last week or the week before. One thing that I've heard is there's a lot of buy-in among the kids who were coming back who were starters. I think there's a change the culture element there that that some guys were resistant to. And I'm not going to say that they handled everything right. I mean, I generally don't think it's a great sign when you lose a Cam Johnson. Uh, he was a kid who I've always really liked and respected and, and is a guy that I would want to build my program around in terms of leadership from what I know of him. So I'm not saying they were perfect, but I think they are starting to get buy-in. And I think the thing that occurs to me is you're seeing guys just hitting the portal left and right. I mean, how many teams are there in bowl games that their starting quarterback situation is on life support? Either they're down to one guy or like Texas A&M, they're going to play a walk-on. 
Um, yeah, they have none, right? Right. I mean, no. they've got two walk-ons who really haven't played. I mean, you have situations like that across the country, right? Where you got yeah. these top programs, and still, even with opportunity, for whatever reason, guys weren't happy. Um, and they're moving on. I, Eli Ricks is going from LSU to Alabama, although that's that's a different thing. But you know what I mean. And I think yep. what they're going to have to do, one part of their success is going to have to be continuity. In other words, we want to build a culture here to where you don't want to leave. And obviously winning is part of that. But I'm thinking on these classes that these teams signed, right? Some of these schools in the top 20 may have signed great classes. Two years from now, half of them may be gone just through going other places. And and now look um, – yeah, let, let's just pick a team, for example. Let, let's say Tennessee. Let, let's say Tennessee loses a bunch of guys to the transfer portal. Maybe they make up by getting more. But I think there is a there's a loss, right? Like every time you switch a guy for another guy, trade an old guy for a new guy, they don't know your systems. They don't know the ways in your program. They don't know their teammates. They're not used to playing with them. I think their secret to success Obviously, he's going to have to be upgrading the talent, and they're going to have to recruit even better than they did, although I think for what they did and where they are, they did a, a really good job. But I think that continuity element of the program, where they don't have it most places around the country, is going to have to be the advantage that they try to seize upon and make work for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, the transfer portal is a weird thing because there's nobody that's immune to it, you know? no. no. We can talk about wins and losses, but, I mean, look at Davo Swinney yesterday. I mean, he's talking about how horrible it is. That's, that's Clemson, you know? <laughs> that's, that's freaking Clemson. Uh, so this is not just a bad teams thing, get bad, good players on bad teams looking to get the spotlight. I mean, you'll have some of that, but as you mentioned, there's a billion different reasons why these kids leave. So, I mean, stability is the, is the watchword, but good luck with that anywhere at this point. And, you know, you mentioned Tennessee, you know, I, I give Josh Heupel some pretty high marks, Chris. They, they literally had more players transfer out of their program last year than any other team in division one football. And he came in, and was able to get seven wins. That's, that's, you know, given, given a situation like that, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, the question is what happens to a team like us? If you have thirty something people gone, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, you, uh, we 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 have to do exactly what you were just talking about, making a making it a place where nobody wants to leave. Not just about the wins and losses. You want to have those wins, and and hopefully they'll come. But you know, you got to make it a the, the totality of that program and that school where they don't want to leave. We can't absorb the losses the way that some other schools can. Who were your favorite guys in the class? Oh, now there's a fun question. There's something I want to talk about. I, I actually, I was going to the board last night to post uh, that exact question, and one of the other posters beat me to it by like three minutes. And it's funny because I was sitting there going over the class and looking at it, and it's like, you know, you know, I, what I tried to do was not base things on need, but but more more the player itself, you know. You know, but it's kind of hard to separate the two, isn't it? If you need, yeah, well, a, a, maybe yeah, maybe not as much this year because they need everything. Yeah, they need everything, and that's and that's a fact. Um, 
but there there's just a look and there's a lot of guys I could go with here. I mean this is a this is a big class and it's a good class. I like it. Uh but there's a guy to me that just I I think is going to be a star. I do. Now, you know what this guy has never even suited up in a game for Vanderbilt, so you never know. Uh I felt like this guy was massively under recruited. Uh and Yes, this is a position of need for Vanderbilt, but as Chris pointed out, tell me the position that's not. Uh, but for my money, Maurice Edwards is just a guy that I think is going to come in, and I wouldn't be surprised if he started next year, Chris. I think he has that type of ability. I watch his tape. I look at everything about him, and I start asking questions. Why? Why wasn't Wisconsin and Ohio State and Northwestern and everybody, how did they let this dude go to, to Nashville? You know, how did he get out of that back? Was it a matter of he said he wanted to be out of the the north and wanted to head south, or he just been a big Vanderbilt fan all his life? Guys, Maurice Edwards is a stud of a running back, and he will play next year, and I think be very effective. I want to say a couple things. First of all, um, Vanderbilt yesterday, the access was tremendous. That's the best job they have ever done on National Signing Day. I spent three hours in that building. We got to talk to darn near everybody. Uh, I think we talked to all but one or two of the position coaches. And I really was shocked we never saw Barton Simmons once, which really surprised me. I'm sure he had his reasons and his work, and it looked like he was just trying to, to light Twitter on fire in a good way yesterday. So that was probably the reason. But And I don't think I'm I'm out of school here on any of this, but one of the coaches, and I don't remember which one, uh, told me, if I understood this correctly, I think they legitimately timed Edwards in the 4-4s somewhere, maybe even the low 4-4s. Um, and and the, tape, the tape is good, right? Uh, but no, high school tape no, sometimes – no, the well, tape's fantastic. Well, the t- the tape is fantastic. Although you know, you you see that sometimes with high school running backs, it doesn't mean you can necessarily play when you're a little bit faster than everybody else and can run around them. You know, you might be running a a four seven while they're running four nines, and and on film it might sort of you know look similar. But point is, he had that, and he has the speed apparently. Well, not only, but I mean, if it was just that, that's one thing. We've had backs with speed before. But when you go back, go back and watch the tape again. So watch that speed flash. And I hear you. I get it. I Believe me, I've been calling football games for twenty-five, uh, almost 25 years. And I've seen a billion different prospects. I know the difference. Everybody that has a kid in their town or their school that rushes for 1,000 yards that thinks an SEC back, and it's simply not true. I, I'm well aware of that. However, when you watch this guy, go back again, Chris, go back and watch him and think about a couple things. One, you ain't bringing him down, not by yourself. Now, Maurice Edwards is what? Uh, what, what, what do you think? Maurice Edwards is about 5'11", 6 foot, 190, 200 pounds, something like that. I asked, and I think they told me 6 foot even, 190, might have been 5'11", but I'm pretty sure... 190 was the weight that they gave me on him. I watched a film and I'm watching a guy who runs like he hates humanity. Like he's angry with everybody in the world. 
you know, he's more than willing to run you over, run past you, run around you, whatever the situation requires. Now, didn't see a lot of pass pro as a highlight film, so didn't see a lot of that. Don't know about that. Don't know if that's an issue or not. Don't know if he's a guy that's going to catch a lot of swing passes. Not that we throw a lot of those, you know, how good the hands are. But what I do know, there's no hesitation. He has great field vision, as strong as a bull, and fast as lightning. Uh you know what? I can work with that. Maurice Edwards is a stud. That dude's playing next year. Who else have you got? <sighs> Let's see. I mean, because, I, I, again, I really like a lot about this class. Uh, I love the Riley kid, uh, the former Duke commit. Yeah, uh, I do, too. Him, him, and, him and the Walker kid were two of my favorites. I just think those guys can run. They are smooth, and I don't think they've got – athletes like this on this on this team at all right now i don't i don't think that there's anybody on this current roster that's got the combination of speed and athleticism that those two have question is you know now i guess the plan for walker is receiver but riley are we are we are we thinking on the secondary side of things that's that's what i've read that he's going to be on the defense and i thought i saw i thought i heard one of the coaches say something along the lines of uh, we're going to try to keep them away from the offense if that may not be able to or something along the lines of that. Uh, but and I mean, that, that may have been prompted by a question I asked them, to be fair, um, because I, I look at him and I think the same thing. Like that, I think that kid could play receiver for them, too. You know, like right now, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So both of those guys, I thought the guys in the late, the late, the, you know, the closing, you know, the the back end of it, really, just, I mean, really were impressive. And I'll tell you what. Now this guy, uh, I'm a little bit more familiar with because he's from the, he's my area, he's from my area, of the hometown, my hometown, right? So he played. Now this team's no longer in their district, but they used to be when I was growing up. And I saw him play, or not him, but I've seen this team play a million times. And I talked to a buddy of mine who lives down the road uh, from Baytown, uh, Baytown Lee, home of the Ganders, Chris. Do you remember? Do you remember a quarterback that played at uh, Baytown Lee by the name of Drew Tate, former Iowa Hawkeye? Rings a bell a little bit. That's it's been a bit, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's been a little while. It's probably been about fifteen years, I'd say, or yeah. something like that. Maybe a little longer. Uh, was the quarterback for for Baytown Lee, the Ganders? And I'm gonna tell you what. Uh, that's that's. That's good football right there. It's not it's not powerhouse six A football. Uh, you know, it's it's not it's not Katie. It's 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 not Duncanville. It's not North Shore. Uh, but it but it's good football. Uh, that's the same area that you're going to find guys like uh, uh, Jalen Hurts played play, played in that in, in that in that district. But Trudell Berry, man, did you just notice how smooth he was? How he seems to glide. You know, when he has the football or, or, or just or when he's he's pursuing the football, the dude just had he just had a different look about him as opposed to some of the other guys on film that it just looked more natural to him. Just a fluid athlete. Uh, this is another guy that I think might be might have been seriously under recruited. Yeah. And another kid who played receiver, too, uh, yeah, which I think uh, I think he, all of them did. You know, a couple, a, a couple more, if you will. Uh, but by, by the way, before I go any further with that, uh, question for you, and I'm going to destroy this name. Uh, is it Watara? Is that how you say the young man's name? 
<laughs> if you want to laugh, I asked. Oh, good grief. It was Mentor about him. I, I, I wanted a pronunciation. I didn't realize that his papers weren't in at the moment. So he gave me this look at first and then and then he said, well, you know, there's certain kids who haven't signed. We can't comment on. I'm not sure his papers have come in yet, actually. I need to check any, that, but any cause for concern on that? I really, I'm really interested in this cat. So, I mean, not that I know, but I haven't asked either. Um, while, while you're, I'll let you talk. I'm going to check and see if the LOI has been marked as in yet. It has not. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, it, it, it has not, and and you know, I'm, I'm really interested in him. Now, one thing I saw yesterday uh, with KD Hutchinson, I don't know if he's going to be in this class or not, but someone, a reporter or something like that had posted that he would be signing with Vanderbilt. And he just seemed to be pretty emphatic about how untrue that was. And it just, you know. About be, that he'd be signing with Vanderbilt? Today. Yeah, that or it was supposed to be yesterday. And of course, you know, because the, the report was that he was going to be signing with Vanderbilt today, and he was just emphatic that that was not the case. No, and he you didn't. Know? He didn't sign yesterday. No, he did not. And he did not. Um, you know, I mean, like, uh, the more explosive, the more speed we can get on the campus, the better. Uh, I just feel like if it were me, my my response would have been something. And that's I don't know that kid, so I don't know what he's like. But uh, my response, if I was someone who was definitely knew where they wanted to go, but couldn't sign for one or two, like with you, with uh, with the Ugo kid. I mean, his mother's what coming from from Africa or something like that, right? right. So there's a reason why he's not doing that. But with Hutchison, it was just like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. Uh, that's not happening. You know, I, I promise you, if I was all in, you'd know about it. You know, I'd be like, but come February, I'll be the first person with my name on the dotted line. You know, that's, and you take that however you want. I don't know what's going to end up happening with it, but uh, it just didn't seem like somebody that absolutely wanted to make sure you understood that he is signing with Vanderbilt. Yeah, I frankly, and I may be in the minority here, I like him better than McGowan, who did sign with him yesterday. I I just think he's got a little bit of a shiftiness and a gear that McGowan does. And I mean, the straight line speed may be the same, but I just think he's a little more elusive and crafty. That's just me. I I may be I may be the only one that feels that, but if I if I had to choose between the two, I think I'd rather have Hutchinson. Okay. It's not a Georgia thing. We no, I, no. I mean, I, although, frankly, he probably was playing against better competition, if you want to bring that up, too. But it, it felt, and, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, but it felt to me like he's just a little bit harder to pin down than McGowan. And I know McGowan is blazing fast. I'm not debating that. But just when I watched highlights, that's the guy that I liked better. Yeah, so I don't know what the issue is there, but I, I really would like to, to get him. And I did also see where uh, Damon Bra- uh, my Bradshaw's kids down to us and Tack and is going to announce, I guess, tomorrow. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. 
And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Yeah, like if they're not able to hold on to him, I did notice that... uh... Ahmad Bradshaw's son is down to Vanderbilt and Vitek and is supposed to announce actually tomorrow. He had actually said he was going to wait until February. Uh, but whatever happened between yesterday and this morning, he's changed his mind, and he'll be making that announcement, I think, tomorrow. Okay, I had, I had missed that today as I'm catching up with some other stuff. Ahmad yeah. Bradshaw has a kid who's going to college. Well, I mean, I guess that's the plan is for him to go to college. I that's mean, crazy. How long has Ahmad Bradshaw been out of football? I don't know, maybe five years or so. Man. It... Well, but I mean, but think about it. I mean, he could have had that kid when he was 17 years old. He must have. It happens, I promise. <laughs> you know, and I don't know. Ahmad's probably about 35 years old, somewhere around there. Okay. Not that, not that out of line, uh, but yeah, yeah. He's he's from uh, Bluefield, Virginia. I think it is something like that up in that area. Uh, yeah. Down to two, a nice. It got a Notre Dame offer. You know, got an impressive offer list, and I hadn't even really paid attention to mu- anything about him until yesterday. You know, and then all of a sudden he's down to us in Vitek. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I like the pieces this day. I think secondary. You know, for a team who lost three, what they consider to be pretty good defensive back prospects late in the game, they not only recovered, I think they went past uh, where they were. I think they got, you know, you know, guy, I want to, I want to do this, Chris. I want to throw one more guy out there that, I mean, nobody's talked about him. No, nobody's talked about him. And I think it's because maybe it's because Maurice Edwards, but I've heard many people talking very much about Chase Gillespie. The other running running back prospect. Yeah, he went. He did go kind of overlooked. Yeah, he got. Oh, he really did. He 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 was he was overlooked a little bit, but you know, I mean, you're talking about a top. You're talking about one of the top ninety five prospects in the state of Florida. Well, and he can you catch know? the ball out of the backfield too. So there's a little bit of difference in skill sets between him and Edwards. And I thought both of them for small backs were pretty tough. Um, Edwards is a little bigger, maybe five pounds. Uh, and Edwards also, I love the way that he runs between the guards. Uh, he was not afraid at all of contact, but yeah, there's a little bit of a, a different element with Gillespie too, which is nice. Yeah. And, and some of the offers that he had first from schools that I, you know, I think no running backs pretty well, either West Virginia, South Carolina, Kansas state, Georgia tech, you know, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, this is not a chump. It's a top 100 player. I mean, think about this. There have been times where if we got a top 100 player out of the state of Florida, you'd be throwing a party. And 
in this in this class, he's kind of an afterthought and probably shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, you're right. There's, there's been years that a Chase Gillespie would have been one of the, the top five kids in the class. I don't think there's any question about it. I don't think there's any question about that. And then you got guys who, you know, who really seem to be now, you know, it's funny, all this, and I didn't even mention some of the, one of the bedrock members of this, of this class. And that's Langston Patterson. That's a yeah. big first get guy. You know, if that's going to be the very first commit that, 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 that Clark Lee got, I mean, Langston Patterson's what you're looking for, right? I mean, what you might perceive to be what you want to see at Vanderbilt, a, a young man that values education in the middle Tennessee area, uh, you know, ties to the school. It just it comes from Vanderbilt people, as Clark said, and, uh, you know, just really get coached. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy who's played for state titles and is coached by in, in, in a winning environment. I mean, he's kind of just checks everything that you're looking for. And to start the class off with him, you know, and as, as Clark Lee said, he never even wavered, not one time when he could easily have done that. And when we were getting beat to death and it was the same old, nobody was in the stands. I mean, who would have blamed, uh, uh, you know, Langston for looking around at that point? I wouldn't have. I which Patterson, uh, sorry to cut you off here, but which Patterson would you rather have, Kane or Langston? Both. Yeah, well, I think they're getting them both, so. Um. Yeah, both. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, here's why I'd say uh, Langston, okay? Because Kane has already been in college and, and hasn't made like a huge impact, at least at Clemson anyway. Now, that could change here in Nashville. Uh, but with But with Langston, I can still – dream you know what i mean yeah the sky yeah. there's there, there's i have no reservations of any kind and not that i have them about kane but i could probably say that kane is not a dominant college football player and you can't tell me that langston won't be yet he may not but you have nothing to go on by that kane's gonna be in his fourth year next year isn't he yeah i Man, mean time I, has I, flown i, I remember him in what high are you school talking about i called one of his playoff games i i know i know i mean i I would presume obviously he gets an extra year for covid um he played as a true freshman in fact i remember when they were playing alabama in the title game they got a linebacker kicked out so he went the rest of the way for them which is a good sign when you're playing when you're trusted to play in a national title game you know, even under the circumstances, right. But, I mean, Clemson's defenses have been, the last five years, as good as they've been in college football. Of course. Yeah, I mean, and even if he's, you know, I mean, I mean look, he, he's, he's been playing in a winning environment. He'll he'll pass that on. You know, he'll pass what he's learned, you know. And and whether that, you know, means that he's a, a, a stable of this defense or he, he can help make other players good. I mean, uh, the addition of Kane Patterson is only a good thing. When it happens, that is. We've got about 15 minutes left. Where would you like to go with the rest of the program? Jenny's. <laughs> well, that is that was assumed. <laughs> That's not an option at the moment. That That is not. I would just like to say, um, I, I think that, and by the way, let's not forget, we've already kicked off our 2023 class. Remember that. Right. You know, uh, early before, even before the, even before the early signing day, which is pretty cool. Uh, and it, and it's with a quarterback, you know? Uh, and, and so the, 
I really am interested to see what 2023 looks like. When you can you follow it up? You know, can you follow up a, an outstanding class with another one? You know, that's what it's going to take, stacking good class on good class. Uh, and I think that this next class needs to be, I don't know what the numbers look like. I don't have the chart in front of me or who's going to be there and who's not. But I, I really, really hope that both sides of the line are the biggest emphasis in this next class. I well, think look, here's the thing. I don't think they're going to get a lot better next year. I just don't see how they're going to do it, especially with the schedule being tougher. And there's really not a lot of let up in there at any place. I mean, week two, Elon. Um, yeah, that's that's your that's your sure win. I guess. I mean, I say that after last year. I hate to even go there. I mean, at Hawaii, they they got a shot. It, it depends on how much of it falls apart on Todd Graham between now and next year. You know, at Northern Illinois, I know that was an eight and four team that won the MAC, but the computers weren't crazy about them. I did see them play in person this year up there. I mean, that's winnable under the right circumstances. I don't think they'll win it, but it's not off the table. I mean, look, once you get into the SEC, you go Alabama, Ole Miss, Georgia, your hope is they don't get their confidence destroyed before they get to the Missouri, South Carolina portion of the schedule. Then they go Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee. But I think. Even even if they go one and eleven, two and ten, you know maybe three and nine, you can at least get to the end of the year. You're you're going to be like, okay, these kids that are playing for them are going to be here another three years most likely, and you can look for the improvement. You can look for all the things that that give you a glimmer of hope going into. 2023 because I think that's when the page starts to turn a little bit more I just think if your hopes for next year are are they, they're going to be a lot better in terms of wins and losses I would check those expectations but I think you can at least start to see our kids developing our kids getting better it's going to be that typical thing where every year once you get into November there's going to be two or three players out there a lot of times it's an offensive lineman somewhere who didn't play all year, who didn't pop in August, but they got better in September and October with reps, an opportunity called, and all of a sudden those guys are getting a shot. I think that's what you have to look forward to is are guys getting better and getting experience at the end of the year so that you go into 2023 and say, okay, maybe this is a year that they start to move the needle and maybe win four, five, six games, whatever that number might be. Well, I, I, and that that's the practical way to do it. But I'm not about to tell anybody what their approach needs to be for next year. I mean, again, if you are listening to this podcast, chances are you know this team and you know your roster and you know the situation. And I understand people are fans and I get all that, but I'm not going to tell them where to go on this one. You know, I mean, if you get stunned because this team only wins two games next year, given as many needs as we have, well, that's kind of on you. But I'm not going to tell them this team can't win five games next year because I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know who's still, who is, is going to be on this team uh, that's not there right now. Uh, you know, and, and, and same goes for some of the teams that we're playing. You know, I, you know sometimes, again, again, and I understand the roster was different. I, I'm well aware of that. But there's zero chance that you pick Vanderbilt to win six games back in 2000, what was it, 12, 11, whenever James Franklin took over his first year. There's no chance you thought that after that game with Robbie Caldwell. 
in that last game. There's no chance you thought that, and they still went to, and they ended up going to a bowl game. Again, the roster's a little bit different. I understand that, uh, but I mean, I'm not going to put any expectations on December the 16th on what that team is next year. We know who they have so far. Uh, we'll see how they finish the holes, uh, filling in the holes, you know. Uh, but I'm I'm not ready to put anything on this team yet as far as who they are for two, 2022. It's December 16th. Do you want to take a quick question or two from the mailbag? Uh, real quick, because I have got to get. Okay. Mailbag sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Let's see. And these questions are from two weeks ago. I'm going to take the best one or two remaining and let me see what I've got here that is not redundant. Oh, hang on just a minute. Okay, Ann Arbor, this is a good one. Did you see sufficient offensive line improvement over the course of the season? Do you think the team just took some time to adjust to a new approach? Uh, significant. I wouldn't call it significant. I saw improvement. Uh, I, I saw I saw some improvement for some of the younger players. Uh, you know, I, I, as you, as I mentioned, I I, I really like some of the things I saw out of Castillo at right guard when he had to come in and play a little bit. I think Ad, Ashmore. You know, he's, he's got enough playing time right now. I don't think he's ever. I don't know that he's ever going to be all SEC, but I think he's I think he's adequate uh, at what he does. Um, I thought Tyler Steen struggled a little bit early. I thought he rounded out a little bit better. Of course, he's a longtime starter, but I thought he he got a little bit better as, as the season went on. I had zero expectations for this offensive line going in. You know, I, I just did. Um, did I see some improvement? Yeah, but, I mean, look, um, we let's not kid ourselves. That is easily one of the biggest concern areas of this football team. I know a lot of people – you know, we're wondering, did, you know, did we do the right thing uh, uh, for an offensive line coach? I'm not ready to answer that one way or the other yet. Let's see what happens this year. Uh, some of these young guys who were able to get in there uh, and, 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 and cut their teeth a little bit. I want to see what they look like this time around. You know, I think guys like Julian Hernandez uh, have potential. They, you know, still got a long ways to go. What I need, what I need out of this offensive line is I need – I need some. I need. I need some guys that clearly stand out. I'm not talking about guys who just pick people up, just move them at the point of attack. I'm talking about people who are clearly the leaders of the offensive line. Guys that you build around. Guys that have that attitude. Guys that keep everybody in check and make sure everybody's where they're supposed to be and getting everything done, and that you can count on and don't make a lot of mental mistakes, don't get a lot of penalties. We don't have. We don't have and haven't had one of those in a couple of years. That's what we need. That's, if, you, if you want to know where Vanderbilt is, is, is if they, to get to the point where they need to be, where we uh, start going back to bowl games, it's when we stop getting pushed around. On both sides of the football, we've gotten pushed around, and that's, that is by far, in my estimation, the place where we have to improve the most. I know we were slow in the secondary and all this other stuff, but to me, the biggest issue has been the trenches. We have 
got to get tougher. We got to get bigger. We got to get meaner. We get we got to get more technically sound in every way. And until we do that, we're not going to beat SEC teams. We have to get better. Because remember, we got pushed around by ETSU. It's great that they had a wonderful FCS run. That does not change the fact that we should not be able to get pushed around by them, and we did. Now, I'm doing this from memory, okay? I think they bring back every single offensive line starter other than Cole Clemens. Is that right from memory? Now, I think Clemens, I know he can't play anymore. I'm trying to remember if he started the last game or two of the year. I think he did. And because because everybody got that extra year is why Steen gets one more year, right? Steen came in with Cam Johnson in that bunch, so he would get right? it anyway. Well, no, wait. I think he played as a true freshman. I don't know if he played enough to exhaust. Either way, he he's coming back next year or he gets that that extra year, whether it's that yeah. or whether he would have gotten it anyway. But yes. Yeah, but those those are the things. I mean, you know, I mean that that has to to me, that's that's I mean, I know we got to get other things fixed. Who's our quarterback? Uh, but I need to see a nasty, tough, physical offensive line. Uh, that does that does not play games, and when we get that, you'll know we we have taken that next step. Well, having multiple year starters at the tackles is a nice start. Now, center it still, is. man, my goodness, they got to get better at center. And I guess Delphin Castillo will hold down one guard, and you know the other. I don't know if it'll be Brooks or who it'll be, but anyway, he said anyway, and that's why I thought that. You know, one of these, maybe the kid from Rutgers or one of these other, you know, potential uh, transfer guys, well, some guy from the portal that, that we could get, you know, to piece that together until some of these younger. Because the, la- the last class I thought had some really good looking offensive line prospects. And uh, of course, you know, Grayson Morgan looks like a really good offensive line. He just needs more weight on him, obviously. Not ready to contribute right now, but you, it's, you know, you, you, you put, you show me the 295 pound version of Grayson Morgan, I'll show you a guy that's starting for Vanderbilt. Bordner is the Rutgers kid, right? Yes. Yeah. I looked up his pro football focus grades, they were not outstanding, they were very mediocre. Now, look, he came to Rutgers as a defensive lineman. And maybe that's part of the explanation is changing sides of the ball a couple years ago. You had an abbreviated season two years ago with COVID, and I think he got hurt. So maybe there's some explanations there that, that he's better than, than meets the eye in terms of how pro football focus saw him. But it does beg some questions about how big an upgrade would that be. I mean, they've got to get markedly better there. And again, I mean – you know, maybe that's next year's project. Um, when by that time, Grayson Morgan's probably ready to play, and those other two linemen they signed. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said to begin the program, you you can't fix this all at once. There are just too many holes and not enough slots to to fix them with. Right, and what what you're hoping for is some of those redshirt freshmen. You know, the Gat Cats were the true freshmen this year who are probably sitting at three bills right now and got lots of reps in practice and, and, and things like that, or in scout team have the opportunity to, you know, maybe step in, you know, guys that you're not thinking about right now, cause you didn't see, uh, but have the opportunity to make a contribution next year that just needed the weight. Yeah. Yeah. That that'll be, that'll be a big focal point of spring. I mean, it's got to be. That's that's my number one focus. I told you that. 
All right. I know you've got to go. So let me get your final thoughts as you head out the door. Mm. Congratulations to coach and that entire staff on all that hard work. That was, that, that was a heck of a job. Finish strong, try to, uh, in, in a couple of months, round out this class all the way through, get, you know, catch your breath and get ready for spring football, man. It was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to be on the board for the last couple of weeks. There was, you know, it wasn't it weird, Chris, to see all the, the positive thoughts and feelings about, you know, about the, 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 the state of at least of recruiting, if nothing else. I mean, one it's, it's really good to see. It looks like this coach and this staff, if you know, one thing early on is they know how to recruit. That's paramount in this conference. I'll close with an Oreo story here. Every day this dog gets up um, and he wants to go outside. We've got a fence backyard. We've got a deck. It is latticed to where you can't get underneath it uh, unless you're a small animal. And and every day, without fail, this dog wants to get up and run outside. And the first thing he does, he runs to one end of the deck and he looks under there and his ears are perked up and his tail's pointing towards the sky and it's wagging and he's looking under there. And then he he sprints to the other end of the deck and, and he looks out under that side and he just goes back and forth and he runs and he runs and he runs. Um, and I'll, I'll go and I'll look under the deck and I'm like, there's, there's nothing under there. And this this has gone, this just goes on and on. It is every day in our house. Like sometimes when you hear him upset on the podcast about something barking whining whatever which seems to be in every podcast occurrence now he's got an appearance um he's wanting to go outside a lot of that time and i I just keep looking at him and i go man you know it's the same thing every day with you you go out there you look under the deck there's nothing under there and you run to the other side, you keep running back and forth and back and forth and there's just nothing well earlier in the week i let him out and he runs out there, and sure enough, a rabbit just shoots out from under the deck through the fence and, and into somebody else's backyard. And, and I feel like yesterday, I feel like for about three years now, the fans just keep getting up and, and looking for something and running from one end of the yard to the other, and there's just nothing there. Uh, and I feel like yesterday might be the day that, that something finally ran out under the deck to get excited about. I feel like you owe this guy an apology. Yeah, I kept you too long, and, and now my wife is letting me know it's time to, to take my me. daughter somewhere. I feel, like you, I feel like you owe Oreo an apology. All well, I might, but I think he owes me a few apologies for destroyed remote <laughs> controls, but uh, that's between he and I. Good enough, my friend. Tell people where they can find you. I'm in my kitchen currently. but Oh, great. That's very helpful. Mind, if you're looking for me online, you can find me at Twitter at Cheap Seats Bass or at uh, WNWS.com where I'm there. Seems like eight days a week. It, it does. All right. Thanks for joining us. Be good, my friend. We'll catch you hopefully next week. Chris, thanks for having me. Uh, always. All right. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, and we will catch up soon. Peace. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.